Hello, my name is Amanda. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, control, and a lack of trust in God. <clears throat> I grew up as the oldest of three children. Um, as a child, my family attended church together. In fact, some of my earliest memories are of um, going to church and learning stories about Jesus and heroes of the faith. These stories were important because in them, I learned about God's creation of the world and everything in it, of his love for man and um, how mankind had broken God's laws. Um, I learned that um, Jesus had come to the earth and lived a perfect life. He died and rose again, and he paid the penalty for the consequences of sin for, the, uh, for those who put their trust in him. I came to a place where I understood that I had disobeyed God's law. And as a child, I trusted in Jesus as my savior. As a young believer, I thought that it was now my job to follow the rules and live as perfect a life as I could. This belief shaped my actions and my attitudes for much of my life. The Bible teaches in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Doing the right thing became for me a burden, but one that I did not recognize as slavery. I grew up and participated in the activities of the church I attended, and I appreciated learning and knowing what was expected of me and doing it. In many ways, this served me well. It kept me from following many hard paths that were available to me, and I believe that it protected me from many dangerous things. However, my faith was a faith of doing, and I did not learn what it means to follow Christ out of love. As I grew into adulthood, I met my husband, Adam, and we married. Within a few years, we faced the challenge of infertility. As months and years passed, our desire for children grew but was unfulfilled. In time, we traveled to Russia and adopted two beautiful children, a bright-eyed son who loved to talk and ask questions, and a sweet, brown-eyed daddy's girl. They were the answer to our prayers, and we threw ourselves into the joy of being parents, which is not to say that it was easy. Our son did speak a different language, and I and my husband had a lot to learn about being parents. And I had a strange illness, one that turned out to be a surprise child, another daughter. Life seemed chaotic as we navigated this life that we had dreamed of and wished and prayed for. And then there was another bonus daughter and a surprise job transfer overseas. Like most other challenges in my life, I researched to learn as much as I could about how to navigate the things before us, how to know and do the right thing. My love of structure and predictability was challenged as more and more changes were added to our lives. After three years overseas, we moved back to the Dallas area. At this point, our son was entering middle school and our youngest daughter was four. We found a new church, we enrolled the kids in new schools, and we threw ourselves into our new old life. Throughout the next few years, our son Dimitri began to struggle with his mental health. Over a period, his depression deepened, and then he attempted suicide for the first time. This was a shock to me and to Adam, and we struggled with how to navigate this new challenge. We sought help. My fallback, again, was to research and learn as much as I could. 
I read, I asked questions, I Googled. Over time, Dima's diagnosis changed multiple times. His fight to maintain mental balance was a constant struggle. Adam was facing his own challenges from a new role at work that kept his time and focus. So much of the day-to-day -day activities, um, our girls' school and extracurriculars, my son's uh, struggles, his school, his doctor's appointments, they all fell to me. Although we had a church home, the nature of what we were dealing with consumed us. It consumed our attention, our time, our family, our health. Every part of my focus became about keeping our son in a place of mental balance. My world shrank to include only my family, particularly Dima, our son. My isolation grew because of my focus. The things in my world were big to me, and things outside of it seemed to not exist. I did not have the energy for any other relationships outside of our family. In most days, I did not navigate those well. There were those who knew part of what was going on, but stepping into such big issues is not easy. So most people did not ask details, and out of self-protection, we did not tell them. On a November day in 2014, two police officers rang the doorbell of our home. As we came to the door, I knew immediately, we all knew. After a long and hard struggle, Dima died by suicide at the age of 21. This was a battle that we had fought for many years, but I had so hoped that it would change, it would turn out differently. I was stunned and silent before God. I knew that through these years of struggle, I had relied on my own ideas, my research, my ability to search out and find the way to, uh, through challenges. Ultimately, Nothing we tried worked. I came to the end of my own efforts, and I could say nothing. For the first time in my life, I could not pray. I am thankful for the truth of Romans 8.26, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For months, the only prayers I could offer were in worship songs of God's character. I did not necessarily feel that they were true, but I knew these things to be true. The things that I had learned as a young child were deep in my heart. God is good all the time. He sees me. He is powerful and present. He is trustworthy. God is sovereign. His plans are good. He loves me. Slowly, I was reminded of God's faithfulness to me in all things. I remembered his faithfulness in the past, but still, I struggled to understand how is it that this child that we prayed for and loved so much had died. About this time, our youngest daughter had become involved in a small group at Watermark's high school ministry. We visited Watermark, and I learned about regeneration. The tagline, recovery in Christ when life is broken, pierced me. I didn't think that I needed recovery, but I certainly did feel that my life was broken. And I knew that I had no way to fix it on my own. My faith in Christ for my salvation was certain, 
but I did not know how to have faith in Christ to walk through this place where I was stuck. Isaiah 42.10 says, And I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light and the rough places into level ground. These are the things that I do, and I do not forsake them. How I wanted the darkness to be light and the rough places to be leveled. This verse became important to me because of the promises and because of the assurance that God would not forsake doing them. I knew that I was unable to do it on my own. I had been living in steps one and two for months. Admit that I was powerless on my own. Absolutely. Believe that God is the one whose power can fully restore us. I believe that to be true too. And then came step three. Trust God with our lives and wills by accepting his grace in Christ Jesus. Here is where I began to see some discrepancy between my life and what the Bible teaches. Did I trust God? And did I trust and accept God's grace in Christ Jesus for my eternal salvation? Mo absolutely. But did I trust him with my life? Most likely. Even harder for me. Did I trust him with the lives of those I love? This was where I wasn't so certain. After all, despite what I wanted, God's plan had included this really hard road for my son and for our family. Was I willing to trust God with my life and will in my daily life? I realized I had been trusting in my own abilities, my own love and care for my children to keep them safe. But this was critical. If it's true that I am powerless to do it on my own and God is the only one who's able to restore us, of course, God, through Jesus Christ, is the one who can be trusted in all things. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, uh, it's Jesus saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I needed this. I had been striving so long in my own power, Placing my trust in Christ for my day-to-day -day was the next step in finding rest for my soul. Steps four, five, and six showed me that my problem was not the loss of my son. The problem was my fo the focus of my heart. I was living the what's of outward obedience to Christ, but I lost sight of the why. This way of living had the appearance of faithfulness, but it was a salvation that was robbed of grace. I was lost in the things that I should do, forgetting that Christ has already done all that is necessary for my life and salvation. There's nothing more to be added. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Step seven, eight, and nine brought me to a place of seeking forgiveness for and letting go of my own abilities and control. In searching through my heart, God showed me my own sin that had kept me from an abundant relationship with him. I recognized that though I thought I was doing much for my son, I was trying to accomplish what I could never do. I was trying to be his savior. And in the process, I had neglected so much else that I should do. I had not been present in the lives of my 
daughters and my husband as I should have been. Recognizing my sins, seeking forgiveness from God and making amends with my family was pivotal in beginning to change the relationships in our family. Steps 10, 11, and 12 taught me how to daily seek, rely on, and delight in God's love and to recognize sin in my life quickly before it established roots in my life. Relying on God's power and direction to do his will was a new way of living, one that brought freedom from anxious rule following. Throughout the steps of regeneration, God brought a group of women to walk with who taught me to look up from myself. Through praying for them, I learned to look up from my own circumstances. When I was focused on myself, hiding behind my disappointments, I only saw and felt that no one understood. I learned that what I see is often not the whole story. I learned to trust others with the truth of my heart and relied on them to love me unconditionally through it. Those relationships were and still are important in helping me to work out where I was believing lies and in showing me the truth. I have found that freedom is not gained in managing my sinful desires. It is not in doing right things or in being good. Finding my own way through my research and plans does not lead to truth. And usually, Google does not know the answer to my dilemmas. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Let not the wise man boast in wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in might. Let not the rich man boast in riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in, in the earth. My continual prayer for myself is that I would grow in knowing God's word and character and that out of that, I would speak the truth, hope, and love to others. I want to boast in understanding and knowing the Lord of love and righteousness. I want to live a life of rest and confidence in God's love, care, and plan for my life. Today, I spend time reading and memorizing scripture, not out of legalism or looking good to others, but because this is where God discloses his character and his will to me. Romans 15, four states, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. It is in learning and trusting God's character and will that I find peace and hope, encouragement and endurance. I'm learning to open myself up to others to see who I am and allow them to help me see the truth about myself, both who I am in Christ and my sinfulness. My pride still blinds me to the truth, but I am learning to be rigorously honest with myself and others about my sin, not only my actions, but also my heart and my thoughts. God continues to reveal the ways that sin infiltrates my life, and I continue to confess, repent, and seek to follow Christ more closely. I know now that abundant life is not about managing sin. It is about valuing what God values. It is about knowing and trusting a heavenly father that knows me, sees me, reveals himself to me, and invites me into his presence. He is a strong rock of refuge, a safe place for my soul. From a place of isolation, God is filling my heart with connection to others. He is restoring relationships in my family. Adam and I have completed re-engage and continue to work toward closer intimacy in our marriage. We have a community of other couples who are walking with us through our day-to-day. With my daughters, 
I'm learning to know them better, better and rebuilding the lost time in our relationships. God has restored old relationships that had suffered due to my neglect of them, and he has brought new people into my life. I have the joy of walking with a group of ladies through Regen. These ladies have invited me into their stories of restoration with God, and it is my great joy and privilege to see his work in their lives. I'm amazed at their courage and faithfulness as God is growing them through the steps of of discipleship for themselves. If I can encourage you with one thing, I want you to know that your life, your story is seen and known by a loving Heavenly Father. He knows you and your pain, and he wants to create a thing of beauty out of the things that seem hopeless in your life. Trust him, and he will act. The years of my son's struggle and death are hard even now to think about. I hate the way they ended. But my grief does not change the truth. I know and believe that God is sovereign. I know that I cannot be separated from his love even when the circumstances of my life are hard. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, from Romans 8, 38 and 39. God is not only present when life is easy, but also when life is hard, when I am in need. He is present and powerful when I am desperate and not enough. God used my weakness and sin to bring me to a deeper understanding of his grace. What I have learned over the past few years is that God sometimes allows the things he hates, our pain and our sin, to accomplish what he loves, our reconciliation to him. God allowed the sin of men to put Jesus to death on the cross in order to pay for the consequence of sin and to reconcile us to himself. He allowed what he hated in my life, my self-righteousness and pride, my striving for control, and my lack of trust in him. God allowed those things in order to bring me to a place where I can truly say, my name is Amanda. I have a new life in Christ, a life that's free from the burden of living life in my own plans, a life that's filled with hope and confidence in my Savior who is trustworthy in all things. Thank you.